Welcome to the Nerd Gab Podcast. My name is Anil and I'm the host and creator of the Nerd Gab community on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for listening in on this episode where I invite two former guests to revisit Warner Bros. first attempt at making a Suicide Squad movie where they use the scraps of footage and the marketing team to edit the entire movie before its release in August 2016, which led to the new trending hashtag, hashtag release the A or cut. But before you listen any further, I just want to give you a quick heads up that there were some issues with the recordings featuring the guests, so you might need to adjust your volume here and there. And hopefully we won't have those issues in the future as we are returning to discuss the newest Suicide Squad movie directed by James Gunn as soon as possible. So don't forget to follow me on Instagram at NerdGab or on Twitter at Nerd underscore Gab. Now here's a discussion featuring my guests about the David Ayer's Suicide Squad movie in 2016. And joining me again back on today's episode as we discuss 2016 Suicide Squad is Luke and Chmath. Thank you guys for joining again. Hey. It feels like whenever we try to plan these things, it's always either super random and then put together like at the very last minute or we take months and months to throw it together. <laughs> this one came together pretty quickly, I think. <laughs> So as I mentioned earlier, we're uh, looking back about five years, 2016, Suicide Squad, as we have the new Suicide Squad coming out. This is a movie that I think for many was pretty divisive. And for me, uh, having seen it a few times in theaters and uh, a couple times here and there since then, still up in the air on what I feel about this movie or where I think it should be in terms of a scale. So having the chance to see it again now before the next one, which is not exactly a sequel or a reboot they're not calling it a sequel they're not calling it a reboot they're calling it a thing by itself um, i just wanted to re-watch it and have a chance to chat with you guys to see what you guys think after seeing it after so long if your thoughts have changed or if you've developed new new feelings or new uh new ideas about the movie so uh for me uh, i'll probably wait until afterwards but why don't we uh kind of go around and talk about what our initial perceptions were when we saw it back in 2016 and how that's changed for this screening that we did before recording this podcast. Jam, you go first. Let's see, 2016. Uh, Britain had just decided that they didn't want to be part of the EU. So, what was I doing? I was in a theater for this movie, yeah, that's right. I remember sitting in this movie theater halfway into the movie shaking my leg and thinking to myself when is this movie gonna end i i yeah halfway through the movie i was done uh, i didn't like it i thought it, uh, i came out of it thinking wow why did i waste my time um but then again i was i probably went into that movie with gigantic expectations from how great the trailer was I think we were just talking about that, right, Luke? Like, how amazing was that trailer? Bohemian Rhapsody with the perfect, like, the gun shells hitting the ground and in perfect beat got us all jazzed and jacked for this movie. Jamath, totally. I remember, I, I think we were all chatting at the time and just like, oh, my God, I can't believe how good this looks. Yeah, they made it look amazing. And just sitting there, I mean, the... I remember the start of the movie was it just felt like such a drag to get through and uh, yeah I said to myself I'm never watching this movie again and you know 
to get to know. <laughs> so here we are. And you paid again. And you paid again to watch. <laughs> uh, no, no comment. <laughs> you had to shell out again five years later to see this movie. I'm, I was sort of in the same boat. The first time I saw it, you know how I am, I am with these things, right? It's always hard for me to kind of put the fanboy away and, and, and try to not be biased. But ultimately, I am going to be biased because, you know, I love DC and the characters and all that stuff so much that I can't really be unbiased the first time I watch it. So that's why I tend to watch these movies at least twice in theaters. And it was the first time that I, and I think it, it matters the crowd that you see the movie with that kind of has an impact on how you enjoy it, I think, because the first time I watched it, um, I don't remember who I saw it with, but I, f- I remember feeling like, man, there's going to be like a discussion after this movie with the crowd of people that I went with, and it's either going to be everyone nitpicking or, or attacking it for the same things that I have issues with, and that's going to make me not like it as much, so I was kind of anxious throughout the whole movie. And then the second time I watched it, I remember watching it, I think it was with my family, and I think the crowd in the theater was a little bit different as well because there are a lot more people that seem to be more excited just by like the little things like getting to see harley quinn for the first time and getting to see like you know so many iconic characters for the first time there were a lot a lot more energy i think in the in the theater so for me it was two different experiences going to the theater to see it but i at the end of both viewings i just couldn't land on did i really like it or did i really hate it so today as i rewatched the extended cut i had a chance to kind of write some notes down and kind of think on it a little bit more and i think i'm landing on it being something like a two out of five for me just because i think they had the best roster of characters for that movie i think the story wasn't exactly terrible i think that with the goal that they had in the movie and how they brought the characters together i think that could have worked i just think the execution may not have been perfect i don't know if you guys had differing thoughts uh, so how it, I watched it was I went to the theater and the, with my brother, who I'm seeing the Suicide Squad with um, on Friday, which is going to be sweet. And just before we walked into the theater, I asked the ticket taker, hey, have you seen this? And the ticket taker said to me, don't go in expecting a, like a good superhero movie think of it like a bunch of music videos and that reframed mind and so i went in expecting music videos and my god it made it a decent movie because i like music videos especially with superheroes a lot of fun or super villains in this case the points uh after watching now i didn't watch the extended cut but i don't think that will change this uh banner that i wrote at the top of all of my notes I did a lot of notes yesterday, guys. Uh, so when this is the movie, this this Suicide Squad is the movie when all of the superhero tropes, like superhero movie tropes, buzzed, thus committing suicide to uh, superhero movies. So like the garbage floating in the sky is called out in this. I have like notes along the lines of each song that was used. To introduce each character so the house of the rising sun is played over when they're introducing bell love sorry i'm launching into this do you guys want to get into something no, no. before i okay. no I'm, I'm i'm liking it let's hear it okay so the house of the rising sun like this is the tone of the beginning and i 
respectfully disagree with you, Chanak. The beginning of this movie is where it's all at, and closer to that trailer that we were given uh, for Bohemian Rhapsody, where it's a little bit more on the beat to the music. So House of the Rising Sun introduces Bell Rev, where everybody is, and Deadshot, and Briggs the Guard, who there to make look all of the villains look like, you know, good people. Because he's a schmarmy, um, like, male-gazing uh, bully blah, 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 blah. And it's then, Ike uh, Barinholtz. <laughs> Sorry? It's Ike Barinholtz, man. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> he did his job, and he did it very well. I'll tell you. It's my boy from Mad TV. <laughs> <laughs> and he went on to star also in Blockers. With yeah. Yeah. He was good, though. I liked him. I actually liked him quite a bit. Oh no, he was—he did exactly what he was paid to do, and very, very well. Yeah, help introduce so, the characters and you know make them look like better than they you know than killing a lot of people. Um, but yeah, so the House of the Rising Sun introduces Deadshot as he's like working out and beating up his body bag or whatever, and then "You Don't Own Me" by Leslie Gore. Uh, uh, is the one that introduces the teen, the teenage boy fantasy that is Harley Quinn in this movie. Like those, yep. <laughs> the outfit that started a million cosplay. Yep. And I, yeah. I actually spoke on that exact topic in one of my other episodes. That uh, the year that this movie came out, so 2016, the number one sold Halloween costume in North America was Harley Quinn's outfit from Suicide Squad. Not surprising. This is the new Naughty Nurses. <laughs> you know what you know what actually was up there too is Nurse Joker was a was a top seller back in like two thousand yeah. oh, That's so odd. That's like we're talking <laughs> we're talking like Dark Knight Nurse Joker, right? That is hot stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a mad dog chasing cars. Like that's really what well because <laughs> yeah, know what no, to do we get one yeah uh, no yeah, sorry no, to, uh, to derail you there Luke yeah you were uh, you were saying yeah what I did is I wrote down every song that they used and how they used it so You Don't Own Me by Leslie Gore was used to introduce Harley as she's wrapped up in a circus type of act which you know as far as introductions go to who she is as a character that like music and imagery go really hand in hand. Same with House of the Rising Sun, Deadshot, um, and the imagery. Music and the imagery is wonderful. And then you get uh, cut to Amanda Waller getting out and going to the restaurant, um, and you get sympathy for the devil. And that's uh, and she mentions Superman's death to put this in a time frame for the DCEU. For Justice League, and they talk a lot about Superman's death throughout this whole thing. But sympathy for the devil and her getting out of a car like match up very, very well. Um, speaks about her character. So they they used music and imagery to do the really hard part about a uh, ensemble cast like this, and that's to give a tone and an introduction to each character. I'll get like the lists and graphics 
show up later. Anyway, <laughs> then there's uh, Standing in the Rain by Action Bronson. His Deadshot doing his killing, which is pretty cool. Uh, for Harley's backstory, we get Super Freak, Super Freak, she's Super Freak, I... Again, great. Like, there's a lot of stuff. How much do you guys want to get into Jared Leto's Joker? Let's let's uh, let's rip the bandaid off. Let's <laughs> let's talk about Jerry Leto's Joker. Thoughts thoughts first. First, let's go around the table, like round table here. Like, what do we think? Are we thinking he didn't have any, like we didn't get enough? Did we not get enough? Did we get too much? Um, like what we saw was it enough? You, I know you start, Chamath. You go, and then I'll and then I'll say. First impressions. First time I saw him, I instantly thought, okay, well this is new. This is different. It reminded me a lot of the Joker, like especially for like the way he did his hair from Lovers and Mad Men. There are a few other inspirations that they took from the comics that they used to give him the look. I know David Ayer talked a lot about going straight back to like the early 1940s comics right before the comics code sort of impacted, you know, the Joker because he was prominent in the comics especially in batman one is where he first originated and then kind of disappeared from the comics for a little bit because he was seen as a character that conflicted with the comics code for for so many reasons and then they kind of changed him into a uh, a prankster and then it wasn't until like 1975 that they brought him back into the comics in the mainstream as like a serious threat to batman as a as a killer as a like a psychotic maniac so that's kind of where they drew some inspiration from how he looks but then Jared Leto kind of put his spin on it and his mannerisms which I thought didn't mesh well for me so for me Jared Leto's Joker in Suicide Squad is very jarring and maybe that's a good thing but also kind of a bad thing and I think part of the trouble is that a lot of people want to or remember Heath Ledger's like iconic performance and then seeing someone else in that role it's it's almost impossible to not compare the two but looking at them side by side yes they're very different but one of them felt more like a performance piece one of them felt more like there was like heart and soul in the character whereas the other one just felt like someone's trying to emulate like characteristics of the character but they're not really the character and that for me was what Jared Leto did it's like he was just kind of emulating things about the Joker like he's crazy you never know what he's gonna do he, he's not like completely there and although he does look menacing i just didn't get that same feel that i did from heath ledger's joker so for me jerry leto's joker is like a zero out of five what about you Math? I, I don't know it was an interesting take for me it felt kind of like they they gave him a multiple personality disorder and they try to show that to us with like little I don't know what it is. It's like they, they, they like slow the scene down and they, they use like a sound effect and make the screen go like purpley or something like that. I don't know. Did you guys notice that? I can't about? see purple, so no. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's like so like there, there's a scene where uh, Harley Harley's in the in the nightclub and she's dancing and uh, you know, Jared Leto's Joker is talking to Common as what seems to be a character that praises the devil. I'm not too sure who Common I think is he's playing. playing. He's either playing Monster T, or I think there's a, I think is Tattoo Man or something like that. He's a villain in the comics. He's like a low-tier villain who I think can summon tattoos, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's pretty cool. I, I would have loved to see that. Yeah, um, they didn't utilize that at all. <laughs> they did not utilize that at all. 
And, but I mean, to to the point. Uh, so he starts off that conversation very, very calm and collected, like he's running the city. And then Common makes a, a, a quip about how uh, how good Harley Quinn looks, and you know the scene gives you that little shake and like the music slows and all of a sudden Jared Leto's Joker starts you know talking like he's a fucking psychopath so it's it's kind of like they've get they've they're trying to tell us that what happened to the Joker in Arkham kind of gave this kind of split personality for him at some points he's in control and some points he's not it's almost like they tried to humanize him by saying you know clearly in this scene he was asking uh, Common's character to give him a reason to kill him. Yeah, he was asking for that. But whereas, you know, which is which is kind of like the Joker, right? The Joker is always into like pushing people to get him to do something. Right? He doesn't really do things just for the sake of doing things. He always has a reason behind it. So it, it, it's a, it's a weird Joker to see. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was a very different take. I would have liked to see more of it. I think he. I, I think. This Joker matches, and Luke, you put this perfectly, the tonality or the lack of consistent tonality uh, to this movie when we were talking about this. Uh, I think the Joker is spot on with that. He's, he's all over the place. He's dark and gritty and at sometimes just hilarious to watch. So I liked it. I, I mean, I wouldn't give him a zero and I wouldn't give him a ten. I mean, he's no heat pleasure. Uh, he, he he did his own take, but you know what I know, like what you said about him trying trying to put his spin on things that he thinks the Joker would be like, as opposed to owning it himself. I I can notice it now that you mentioned. Yeah, and and one thing one thing that kind of bothered me too, I feel like it, it was a big missed opportunity in the movie. Is do you guys remember on one of his hands he has like the, a tattoo of like a smile, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'll tell I'll tell you why it's a missed opportunity for me. So, in the movie, he, he actually covers his face and he goes, ah, 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 right? And it kind of makes it look like the, the tattoo that's smiling is the classic Joker laugh, right? But I always kind of looked at it like, you know, he could actually put that on someone's mouth as he's, like, strangling them, for instance. And that would be, like, them laughing. Because the whole thing about the Joker is, like, you know, he's always trying to, like, leave people with a laugh, right? Or, like, you know, kill people with laughter. And like I always figured, figured like, oh, they're gonna use this somehow. He's gonna kill someone. He's gonna choke someone. He's gonna cover their face with the hand, and it's gonna look like they're laughing. And I'd be like, that'd be awesome. But then they never did it. I'm like, ah, missed opportunity. Uh, he, did nope. he did it. He did it. He did it one. Sorry, he yeah, did he it did. one time. He did. Did he? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I must have missed that. Luke, Who you're did? talking about the same thing that I'm talking about, right? Like the flash yeah. of him holding it over Harley Quinn before he tosses her into the bath. Uh, bath. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Okay. No, kind of. That's sort of what I was like looking for, but more in like he actually is killing someone. And well, he's they, like, ah. they, they clearly, whoever was doing that character design had the same intention uh, as, as you were, as you were in using that scene, and they definitely filmed that sequence. It's just, you know, editorially, it, it landed on the, on the chopping block from what it looks like. Oh. But uh, they maybe. use it as like a microsecond flash, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. I had to go back and watch it like three times to see exactly what was going on. Okay, I must have missed it for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
I wouldn't have minded that being like his pawn card before he's, he killed mofos. Like, let's put a smile, like that kind of, let's put a smile off. I mean, this is beating a dead horse, sadly, because <laughs> every fanboy has had the Joker conversation ad nauseum. We know Heath is the best. Jack is number two. Uh, Jack Napier. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. <laughs> uh, Cesar Romero is number three. And poor Jared Leto was in a no-win situation. Yeah. Straight up. Like, nothing he could have done would have made his performance adequate in the minds and eyes of we, the fanboys, who had just walked out of the Dark Knight and been just on cloud nine uh, having watched the best superhero movie and i will fight people on that <laughs> come at me uh, 119 times i've seen that movie anyway um so yeah super freak is happening as harley's backstory is going they had an original piece of music uh to the purple lamborghini is it purple Chimath's favorite, favorite part. Uh, amazing track. <laughs> amazing what? Track? <laughs> Best song in the whole movie. Best song in the whole movie. But also because he loves the purple Lamborghini. Uh, yeah, like uh, Hip Hop Joker. If I was Hip Hop Joker, I would drive a purple Lamborghini. Purple suit, purple Lamborghini. And green fun hair. Fact, fun fact, my son, at the tender age of... Uh, 10 months I introduced him to Purple Lamborghini he started rocking out to it I loved every second of that <laughs> oh here's just a like little asterisk like notice all of the conversations we've had just now this is all part of the character introduction info dump exposition that Amanda Waller is giving David Harbour and that other guy at the yeah. table yeah so this is all just introducing the characters that we're playing with in this sandbox. It's pretty good. And then you get to see uh, everybody's, like, Anil's favorite Batman ever. Batfleck. <laughs> Definitely not my favorite Batman, but yeah. <laughs> Your favorite Batman, yes. Got it. Cool. <laughs> uh, in the in this scene where he rescues Harley Quinn, if you've watched The Hot Ones with Margot Robbie, she talks about being able to hold her breath for five minutes straight while they were doing that shot. She was coached into knowing like that her body would go into convulsions and whatnot. So that they could get that shot, she would hold her breath for five minutes. It's insane. She's amazing. And yeah. In another interview with her, uh, James Gunn gave her this insane trick to do in the Suicide Squad, and the, like, and he messed up while he was shooting it, and she's supposed to go into a guard's pocket with her feet, and like with her toes, pull out keys, and then use her feet to unlock the the lock, and is holding her up, up, and she she's able to she can do that, so he was filming it like don't worry about it we'll 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 CG or whatever it in we'll cut it in a like in post and then she he stood there as she actually did what was in the script and he was so mesmerized by her being able to do it she that he missed that there was something on her shoulder blocking her face 
So <laughs> it was a useless. This is uh, from an interview with Jimmy Kimmel. So Margot Robbie is awesome. That's all of that is to say that. And, and like that, that's some of the stuff that goes on, like, you know, that these actors, they do for these scenes and these roles that, you know, unless you dive deeper into the making of or you hear it from the interviews and things like that, you won't, you know, the average person won't really know. But like they there's a lot of work that these actors, like there's a lot of dedication that they put into these roles just for that one second shot or for that, you know, that what may seem like a menial scene that you may not think twice about after seeing the movie, they went to the lengths of doing it, which is just, it makes that character much cooler. It makes the actor even cooler for doing it. Um, so definitely something to appreciate and give the movie points for. Yeah, I'm going to keep going down the music, the tone, uh, the, the music. Uh, so Captain Boomerang is introduced to Dirty Deeds by ACDC, which is hilarious. Puts like a little bit of fun into Captain Boomerang. Uh, the notes, uh, whatever. What's up with the uh the the unicorn that he and Deadpool have? I I don't know what that is. I I know the entire history of Captain Boomerang. I don't know if that's like an Easter egg from like maybe one of the older like back issue comics or something like that. But I I saw that I'm like the first time I saw it, I was like, is, is he like does he have like a weird you know like obsession or does he have like is they're gonna are they gonna give us a backstory as to why he has this obsession with like pink unicorns but no it's just i think they just inserted that as a funny little kind of like cheeky thing about him to make him we get a little it's called pinky it's <laughs> called pinky he he says and he says its name as he's beating up those eyeball things later the next song introduces killer croc uh, it's Fortunate Son by uh, CCR. That's pretty good. It's comparing, like, uh, yeah, uh, pretty good for the t- tone. And then he goes on a killing spree because it's Killer Croc. Once again, great job introducing that character. Like, up until here, like, I think I'm at about 10, 15 minutes into the movie. And they've done what is really hard in an ensemble pretty well given a tone and an introduction to each of the characters so like up to this point in time the, the ticket taker guy was totally right and i was having a great old time like yay music video introduction yahoo so everything was great there and then they introduced cara delavine's character the enchantress and I started. This is where the movie started dropping like things for me. Okay, so if I'll share something from from my from my notes, that will be like something that I post later on on my social media. But I, I actually paused it at the exact moment where it start started to get a little derailed for me. And for me, it was at the forty three minute mark. So I think you and I are probably on the same page. Whereas the beginning of the movie was kind of doing a really good job of establishing all the the main players um i think right after they got past that point um and they started to dive into what the story of this movie is is where it started to kind of get a little weird so 43 minutes for me i think was just after enchantress's introduction because i thought her introduction when waller is giving her demonstration i thought that was pretty cool the -hmm. way um kara kind of like or june moon 
transitions into um, the Enchantress. I thought that was pretty wicked. Like the hand sort of just comes out of a shadow underneath her hand and then flips over and then she's like, I thought it was pretty cool. But after that, yeah, I think right after that moment when they committee or whatever gives the green light to to give Waller the task force, I think is when it started to go downhill for me. And I think that's where it, it they lost either their entire audience or they just didn't pick up the pacing or the tone kind of shifted. And for me, it just kind of derailed. I don't know what you guys, um, if you guys had a specific time where that happened for you, but for me, it was like exactly 43 minutes. So I watched the theatrical cut. So I don't know if the 43 minutes lines up as well, but you're absolutely right. It's when they get to the meat of the, uh, of the, the, what the movie is like the bad guy. The thing that they all have to do, it becomes just superhero tropes. And that is it. So if the tone was music video, like let's make it for the MTV crew, right? You know what the youngins really like, say the Warner exec? Music videos. Let's make this half music videos. They'll walk out loving it and they'll tell their friends and then spend more money. And then they got they dropped the ball when the music videos stopped, which is when Enchantress uh, like grabs her brother or whatever. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So let, let's take a look at the movie that we saw because, as the three of us know, that is actually not the movie that was filmed, as Jared Leto was very vocal about during the campaigning and the promotion for this movie coming out he was very vocal about wb having sold him a completely different movie than what he saw you know after the success of the snyder cut there's all these uh you know rumors and hashtags starting to surface about releasing the air cut because we're hearing that the air cut is a vastly different movie and one of the things that i've heard about the air cut is that the enchantress was not the main villain fact the joker was the main villain and enchantress was being used by the joker as a secondary so could that have made could we have got a completely different movie what do you guys think about that like is this news to you have you heard this before uh the enchantress talks about building a machine to get revenge on the humanity in this movie and i don't see a machine did any of you see a machine in this movie <laughs> <laughs> Like she's she's a witch with magical powers that can open up a rift in space and maybe possibly time. No idea what she opened that rift for. We don't don't know why she opened the rift. We didn't know what the rift would do. These guys threw a bomb in a rift that they didn't know what would happen. Like who said throwing a bomb bomb in that rift was going to close the rift? No, there was no explanation on that. So theory here. Um, and this isn't this isn't confirmed or anything like that. We, we it would need to be like released or stated fi- officially from WB, which we know they probably won't do, or they won't do for like the next twenty years. Is that Enchantress had some connection to one of the mother boxes on Earth, and that she would be trying to use it to open a portal? That was the rumor that I heard. That Enchantress was. Um, somehow linked to one of the mother boxes because it was she'd been on earth as long as one of the mother boxes had been and she was going to try to use it to open a portal i don't know if it was whether to bring dark side or what the, the the real thing there was but if you remember in the scene where she's building this machine and you see that 
floating you know ring of garbage in the middle of that ring it's like that little glowing kind of i don't know essence or like that glowing light that you kind of get from when the mother box is active and like you mentioned like she's got this power why would she need to build a machine and then another thing that happens in the movie is she she kidnaps or she tries to abduct amanda waller and ask amanda waller how to defeat her armies when she's clearly been doing that the whole movie by converting people into her like her own army so i'm like why does she need amanda waller to tell her how to defeat her armies if she's physically capable of doing that without amanda waller it make any sense i'm like like there's so many scenes where you can tell that they've been chopped together and kind of stitched together as a way of kind of changing the movie from what it may have been to what it was that we got i do not want to see an air cut i'm good with what i got i don't want to sit through another four-hour movie a director's real vision for real video i'm fine with what we have right now uh generic though it is and it's so blatantly generic that it puts the rest of the superhero movie marvel and dc especially on blast for using the same tropes like the enchantress's uh, uh reason she wants to kill everybody and make this machine what machine okay what yeah no you're absolutely right where's the machine i don't see a machine i see a bunch of junk floating around and some lightning anyway it is because i was very powerful and now they don't worship me anymore so i'll kill everything because i want to be worshipped so i'll kill everything generic bad guy reason and yeah. it's just like here's here's a superhero movie trope the bad guy wants to be um wants their power recognized so and it's not happening so we'll i'll kill everything Mwaha, mwaha, mustache twirl. And then the good guys have to suit up and find a reason to be together and common goals and whatnot. Which is the bar scene, but what the good oh, guys were yeah. too busy, right? Like the Justice League, they were tied up on a coffee break for this one. <laughs> There's no Justice League yet. Oh, sorry, I mean like Wonder Woman and whoever else. Uh, the Flash and Batman, who's been so active at catching these guys. <laughs> um, you know they're, they're all just like oh what what's what was the name of the city that this place takes place in midway city midway city they were just like fuck midway city you know everyone just uh <laughs> we'll just let it go through that through that giant circle in the sky i'm pretty sure there's a team of expendables that we can send in there where's uh where are they and it's it's the ending where it gets kind of really really cheesy right like where they start hitting all those typical superhero movie tropes right like you got this band of um ragtag supervillains that come together to stop this threat but they're throwing around i'm not gonna let my family die that's a line from the movie <laughs> and i'm like you just you just met this guy like four hours ago and you also hate everybody so you know, I don't know. I, I I feel like a lot has changed. Maybe there was a completely different story to this movie, but what we got definitely was not. I know you don't want the air cut, but I believe that he had a different vision in mind, and that there was some sort of intention to tie it to the Justice League via mother boxes and things like that. But for me, with the characters that they had, how they executed this movie, definitely dropped the ball. So going 
forward as we look at like the future for these characters like we know we're, we're gonna get harley quinn again in suicide squad by james gunn do you think there's ever gonna be a chance we're gonna see deadshot again do you guys think we're gonna see you know killer croc are we gonna see katana what, what do you guys think are they gonna keep the continuity from this movie into that one i, I want to touch on that that family that, that you talked about yeah that, yeah. Really, that really stuck out to me because uh, family is huge, and I just finished watching Fast and the Furious, so like family was really <laughs> on my mind when I watched this movie. <laughs> you know what it is, man? Nothing brings people together more so than having a couple of beers, some brewskis with the boys or the girls. Like literally, you can see, you know, they were they were just you know, put together, just random people that have never really worked together. But they went into that hotel lobby to grab some drinks, and all of a sudden it's family. <laughs> right? Like that, yeah. that sequence that really brought them together. You know, Killer Croc had a beer, and Captain Boomerang's like, well, I'll have a beer too. Yeah, I like guys that have beers. So I think I think that really, you know, you're wondering where that sense of family came from. It was that sequence. Which I could have done without. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I point out? Can I point out that that this whole movie, the whole reason Amanda Waller put together this team, was to uh, was just in case uh, of a next Superman, or what's the words that she uses, the next Superman level threat to to come to yeah. Earth. This group is going to take out Superman. This group. Like, you think she she'd have she'd have an ace up her sleeve? You know what I mean? Like, these guys against Superman, they're not going to stand a chance. What's Captain Boomerang going to do? He's going to throw his boomerang and wait for it to hit him in the head. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because the Suicide Squad in the comics and in, you know, some of the animated movies and TV shows and stuff, they're never really meant to take on any of the superheroes. They're meant to do, like, covert, under-the-radar, like, missions and stuff that kind of cross into the gray area, maybe even, like, some of the red or black area that you know the, yeah. the u.s government can't really can't really dive into and the reason that she uses the suicide squad is because they're expendable but in this movie she sells it as this team can help us with the next superman level threat and i think a lot of that harbored on her control over enchantress i think that was what the concept was is because enchantress is pretty powerful and maybe she would stand a chance against superman with her abilities but I don't know. They they definitely forgot that part in the ending half of this movie. So so uh, I want to touch on that as well. Amanda Waller's control over Enchantress. Okay. So Amanda Waller has Enchantress's heart inside a super secure box that blinks red if Enchantress gets close to it. Right. I'm assuming it stays blinking red so that Amanda Waller would be notified somehow because it's you know 2016 that. Enchantress got close to the box and there was a security alert, right? We, we, we would think that there'd be a failsafe like this. And I, I, I'm also guessing Amanda Waller knows from the from the music videos that we saw at the start of the movie that there's a second statue that was with Enchantress that Amanda Waller had in her nice little condo. Not not secured anywhere, just she wanted to keep it in the condo that looked just yeah. like the statue that uh, June Moon, who was an archaeologist, decided to snap the head of this rare artifact that she found. The world's worst archaeologist. <laughs> like, oh man, Liam Jones. This, this nice old statue. Let me just snap the neck. 
So Amanda Waller's got the second statue lying, laying around, no security whatsoever. And so now she wakes up, that statue was missing, there's the red light blinking on the suitcase that has the heart, and she's just like, you know what, I'm gonna send Enchantress to take care of this issue. Right, this is Amanda Waller we're talking, this isn't some rookie, I don't know, I, I, I feel like you're right, I feel like they just had it, they had clips that were filmed and they were just like, yeah, let's just put something together here to end this movie. And, and how they pull the veil over the majority of the audience's eye with like this very craptacular story, but like as we sit down and kind of look at it, you know, criticize it a bit more deeper, find all these little like weird plot holes that kind of don't make sense. Like, you're right, why would Amanda Waller have that statue or that artifact having gone through Enchantress's file, knowing that an artifact just like that is what gave Enchantress her powers and not have that thing secured in Argus or in Star Labs or something? No, she had it out and she, she just decided she was going to keep it as an ornament in her bathroom. <laughs> was Argus mentioned once during this movie? Yeah, it was mentioned uh, once. I think it was mentioned and also the logo that appeared when Rick Flagg is like, here's the voice of God. And he shows them the uh, tablet and Amanda Waller popped oh, up on the screen. Oh my god, that, that yeah. scene. Yo, that scene. I was just, guys, you know, I start, when we talked about this a little earlier before we came on this, I, I told you guys, I love this movie, right? <laughs> that was, yeah. that, that sequence, I had a, I had quite the chuckle to myself. I was just like, yeah, this is amazing. It's like one of those scenes that were, that were shot afterwards, and they're like, yeah, let's just put this in here for funsies. Yeah, I mean, let's look at the movie that we got, right? So, we got this movie... David Ayer, you know, he kind of threw himself on the sword and said, hey, this is this is my vision. You know, we didn't have another version of this movie, although we know that there was another version. This version was the one that was cut up and there were reshoots done just before the release. So we're looking at just this movie that was released. This is the one we got. This is what we have to base our opinions on. Do you think that part of the reason why the studio got so involved, aside from like, you know, trying to play the catch up game with Marvel and aside from trying to change the tone do you think part of the reason that they got so involved is because david ayer was trying to sort of keep the same tone and style as Zack snyder did for batman vs superman which came out a few months before this movie do you guys think that played a factor in the outcome of this movie i think it was probably too long so they wanted to chop down two hours and 13 minutes if I think is the theatrical cut and all of the talk that I've heard like the Joker is actually the the big bad which means Jared Leto would have to chew the scenery even more and like he'd get a lot of screen time so I mean you make him not the bad guy you just cut a half hour out your movie right there boom the shifting of the tone away from music videos made it stop being fun so the second day actually the last fun song that they get into is when they're playing Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum as they're entering Midway City which I think is the midpoint of the movie but um, and then there's a Come Baby Come Baby Baby Come Come by K7 where Harley Quinn beats the crap out of somebody in an elevator fight. Was this before or after Winter Soldier? 2018. This is after Winter Soldier. Uh, before Winter Soldier. Oh snap! Harley had an elevator fight scene before Cap did. Oh. <laughs> well, John McClane had one before, but most uh, most people did. 
<laughs> so that that scene where they're in the plane and uh, they're flying into Midway City, who shot the plane down? Because like the Enchantress's monsters weren't using their guns. It was the uh, the brother. The brother had oh, eight. like literally, you see the plane getting shot by a machine gun. I was, I was so confused. I was like, who shot this plane down? Yeah, this is just one of those things that we have to chalk up to it being a scene that was used for a different version of the movie, right? Because, like, there are things that happen, especially in that scene that we're talking about where they have the drinks in the bar. Immediately after that, there's, like, a, a sequence of shots that don't match with each other. It throws you off if you're paying attention. It throws you off because you're like, wait a minute, no, that character wasn't here or it wasn't part of this conversation. But they they clearly were in the version that we got. So in the scene where the plane gets shot down, I just assumed it was one of the like the minions or something. Yeah, it could it could have been someone else entirely. The plot. That's who shot the plane down. Oh, thank God for the plot. It was WB. <laughs> it was WB. It was WB all. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. He, uh, did you guys notice Will Smith had the I am the uh, the way on his collar? Yeah, yeah, on his suit. I am the light, the way, I think it is. Passage from the Bible, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. I don't know the I Bible very much. Very aware, but, why? <laughs> but why? Why Why? did Deadshot have a passage from the Bible on his collar? Uh, I don't the... follow the Batman as much as you do. So I turn to you. Uh, in the comics, they always kind of paint Floyd Lawton as having like um, having a conscience, and he kind of has like a code, even though he's he's the bad guy. Um, and his code is, you know, he's kind of like Deathstroke in a way, where it's like, you know, they they stick to their word in terms of they take a contract, the contract is the contract, they don't go beyond that. But for every kill that Deadshot makes, there is like this uh, kind of battle with like, am I good? Am I bad? Can I redeem myself? Can I be redeemed? You know, he kind of is obviously no no supervillain looks at themselves as being the bad guy, but he always looks at himself as having some kind of redemption qualities. And I think that I don't know much about that specific passage, but I think that's meant to to like tie back to his like consciousness and being, you know, maybe thinking of himself in terms of re- relation to a higher power or, or answering to a higher being. I don't know. I'm, I'm pulling strings here, I think. I've got a couple of little uh, pieces that I wanted to bring up. One, we haven't talked about Diablo. Very melodramatic, but solid storyline. Everything made sense. Fair yeah, uh, outside of uh, Harley and, uh, and Deadshot, Diablo was one of my favorite characters in this movie. Like, he was yeah. scripted well. Uh, his story was great. His character was true to his backstory. Uh, Jay Hernandez, uh, the, the actor for it, I, I just found out his name today because I was like, man, this guy was really great, amazing throughout the whole movie. Uh, yeah, man, uh, definitely needs to get more credit than than do by the lack of quality from the movie itself. But he was fantastic. Yeah, I I really do think he crushed it. Uh, Katana was an awful Japanese stereotype for me. Just talking to her sword, cool, awful awful as much as yeah as much as i love that character from the comics like i absolutely love her um i feel like i'm actually kind of disappointed she's not appear in the second movie or at least i I didn't see her credited but yeah like it was very very shallow 
but there's i mean her her backstory is very very rich to like cram it into like a few seconds in a flashback or a cut scene here and there it's it's hard to do um i think they gave us enough to just give us an idea of who she is i think the idea was that maybe they'll do a spin-off with her maybe or she'll show up in more movies but yeah she's she's a very cool character it's just that they couldn't really give us very rich detail about her and her whole like mythos and characters that she's related to and stuff like that so i don't know i didn't mind it i love seeing her on screen i thought she looked sick but I, i'm just i'm disappointed that she's not going to show up anymore i don't know i hope they they intend to use her in the future but i don't know so i i, um, I have many 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 other notes but that made me laugh as i was re-watching this movie last night was that at the end they do the big cgi guys battling thing the enchantress says the sun is setting i had not seen the light of the day throughout the entire damn movie <laughs> when was the sun up not in the second half not not after like they get they to midway city up at the beginning yeah yeah yeah, yeah no this is uh, the second they get to midway city there's no light so yeah she's the like the sun is setting the enchantress <laughs> says it's setting like wait what when <laughs> You mean like six hours ago when we were when we were watching this? Uh, yeah, I wanted to shout out Diablo. Talk about the stereotype in Oh, um, Cara Delevingne's brow game is like so on point, but her belly dancing leaves something to be desired. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was it was kind of funky. Her her like wavy witch dance, but then. When she was fighting them, she reverts back to like the creepy witch. Did you notice that when uh, she's doing oh, her yeah. like wavy, yeah, she's doing her wavy dance in front of like whatever that thing was that she was building. And then when she starts <laughs> fighting them, she switches back to like, you know, costume one. She changes skins mid game. I think that that kind of has to do with like, her brother giving her power, and then from when the brother dies, she kind of like uses what's left of it to power her machine. Maybe it, yeah, I don't know. It, like it, the sequences kind of made made sense to me, and that's what I kind of assumed was the reason. Unless she has like, you know, fighting stance versus enchanting stance. <laughs> she has a she. What do you call it when you had, What do you call it in those RPG games when you have a different build a build up or whatever? What was it called? I don't know about, about that, but like if she was a Smash Bros. character, that'd be her dance. <laughs> That's very funny. You know what your your boy Batman was doing? He was waiting for Waller in a restaurant. I'm just chilling. Yeah, so that's that's the uh, the post credits or mid credits kind of not really at the very end. The ending sort of. Let's talk about that scene for a sec. How do you guys? What did you guys think about that? Because in that scene, they they're having a very kind of subtext riddled conversation. And then she gives him the file that contains the information on the metahumans that he found out about from Lex, like the hard drive. So in that conversation, he tells her, like, as, as they're wrapping up the conversation, she goes, you know, you're tired. You should stop working nights. And then he says, you should shut it down or me and my friends will make you or something. And I'm like, what friends? <laughs> what friends are you talking about, Bruce? Technically, one of them's dead. Diana doesn't want anything to do with you at this at this time. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, what friends? You only have Diana, technically, and you haven't met Wally, and you haven't, or sorry, Barry, and you haven't met Victor, and you haven't met Arthur. So I was like, he could have just not said anything. He could have just smirked that classic Bruce Wayne smirk, and it would have been perfect. But then, you know, I don't know, Ben Affleck has, I don't know, has to say something, I guess. Gets paid by the... Sure. Alright, uh, the last music cue thing that I want to bring up uh, is when it got good again, they brought everybody back to prison, uh, and they were playing Bohemian Rhapsody, so then they're showing everybody in their jail cells. Uh, it's funny because Boomerang didn't ask for anything, so he got nothing. He's just screaming at the television. And Croc is watching BET, and uh, Harley's drinking her espresso. And as Bohemian Rhapsody goes to Mama, just kill the man, an explosion happens, and Joker comes in. The timing on that was sick. Yeah, I think I, I like that Joker came at the end there to, um, to get her. It would have been cool if he if they didn't show that scene and then they could have made that the issue for why they split up in Birds of Prey just to keep that in continuity. But, you know, this is, you know, how they say hindsight's what, 2020? So <laughs> I guess they couldn't come up with some way to kind of tie all the movies together, which I think is my biggest problem with the DCEU movies is that aside from Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman, nothing else directly ties. Like, there's no, like, solid string that connects them all together. You know what I mean? And they just feel so fragmented. And I'm, I'm in a way, I'm kind of happy that they did a reboot with this Suicide Squad movie, but I, I just keep looking at the trailer and I keep thinking, man, this is, you know, Suicide Squad with the Guardians of the Galaxy paint job, and I just can't get over it yet. But I am excited to see it just because, uh, you know, we're getting King Shark in Harley Quinn again. Polka Dot Man. Can't wait for that. <laughs> Smallson. He's he's crossed over. He's MC and DC. Good for yep. him. Yep. Um, I, I, I was reading I was reading that James Gunn um, decided to put that character in the movie because he went on Google and he's like, what is the dumbest DC character? And that was like in the top search or something or results. And he's like, okay, yeah, let's do this guy. If, if we're talking about a shift away from that dark and gritty tone from the like the Snyderverse style of things, and we're looking forward like with Shazam, Aquaman, all very, very vibrant movies, um, I think this is going to fit very nicely in that new look, new style of things. And I feel like I'm going to enjoy this a whole lot more than I enjoyed the 2016 version for sure. It's just, I, I can't get over that whole, like, it's, it, it just looks like Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy to me, man. <laughs> like, it just looks looks and feels like it. But hey, that's not a bad thing. That Those movies were pretty good. They're pretty successful. So I guess I'll just have to wait two days and see how it goes. Yeah. All right. So before we wrap this, this up, final thoughts. 2016 Suicide Squad by David Ayer. What are your thoughts? What, what's your ranking on it? And your favorite and least favorite thing and then what you're looking forward to in the James Gunn movie. Go. Least favorite thing about this movie is I never got to find out what the Enchantress's like big bad soldiers who were standing next to her could do because they were there and they just met like six of them. I was hoping they would have some cool powers or something. Mm -hmm. Disappointing. Uh, my plus, uh, Harley Quinn's performance um 
thank you for the opportunity but not happening before this movie came out. Came out. <laughs> uh, fantastic performance. Uh, and uh, what I'm looking forward to is we're not gonna see him though that's a big problem you're gonna see someone emulating what it would be like if john cena were playing peacemaker but that's not john cena no you you were right when you said that we can't see him (laughs) i hope i okay you know what I will give this movie, the second movie, I will honestly give it an instant 5 out of 10. Like, it automatically gets a 5 out of 10 if he says, you can't see me in this movie. And then uh, and then my regular score on top of that 5 out of 10. <laughs> you know what? If he doesn't say that, I'd be thoroughly disappointed in this movie. I will be so mad. Like, that's like putting a rock into one of your movies and not getting a rock bottom. You know how disappointed I was in Jungle Cruise that I didn't get a single rock bottom? <laughs> that movie was phenomenal, and I didn't get a rock bottom. They would have been that much better. Like, Pat would have taken it from a 9 out of 10 to a 10 out of 10. Alright guys, so that you know you know what we're looking for now. You know what we're looking for in Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. We're looking for the classic John Cena joke that he cannot be seen. <laughs> in Suicide Squad too. Oh I'm calling it. If it's there, it's an instant five out of ten for me. It's an instant five out of ten. I promise you. And I will add my score on top of that. If my score is a five out of ten, and he says that line, then that movie instantly becomes a ten out of ten. It will be the first movie I've ever ranked a ten out of ten. Just letting yeah, you guys know, I will stand by that. Oh man! Oh, oh now I'm so hyped. Now I'm, I'm just so hyped yeah. for that one. That one thing. Uh, but but lastly, my score for this movie in 2021. So 2016, I gave it like a dookie, like a two out of uh, two out of ten. Um, in 2021, after watching Space Jam and Fast Nine, this movie gets a solid seven out of ten for me. Oh wow! Yeah, it was amazing production <laughs> quality after watching those two movies, but only after watching those two. Yeah, seven. Out of 10. It's a seven out of ten in relativity in 2021. Yeah, because... <laughs> in 2021 in relativity. <laughs> yeah, in 2021 is a seven out of ten because man, 2021 has not been a good year for movies. Oh damn! Nobody. All right, Nobody Luke, how about you? Great. Okay, uh, <laughs> so I am excited for the Suicide Squad for all of this. Like, there's going to be so much death of those side characters. So Nathan Fillion's in it but as a character who can take off his limbs and beat you with them. That's amazing. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, what? Um, Pete Davidson's in it for reasons. Yep. yep. Because uh, there's a there's a weasel for reasons. Yep. <laughs> like, I'll, I love it. I love all of this. And they're all just going to die for reasons. And I don't know, like, I can't wait to see it. King Shark's going to stick around. Uh, he wrote oh, yeah. it for Sylvester Stallone, and he was too afraid to ask Sly if he'd do it until like they were getting down to they were trying to find the right casting. Sorry, I watched a lot of interviews about this this upcoming The Suicide Squad. And then they were getting down to the casting, and like they'd done a bunch of rounds, and nobody was clicking for King Shark. So he was back against the wall. He's like, okay, I gotta ask Sylvester Stallone. 
oh no, he's going to say no. I don't know. Like, he'll feel insulted or whatever. Because it's a really dumb character, right? And Sly was like, yeah, I'll do it. It's great. It's <laughs> awesome. And, right? So, Suicide Squad 2016, my favorite bits are when they find the, like, they establish this music video tone at the beginning of the movie and come back to it at the end of the movie. Uh, that could be a tie-in to the Bell Rev situation. But if they had kept that throughout the entire movie, so like found a song uh, to link to the Joker as he's trying to pick up Harley Quinn, that kind of thing, something rocky, something that, that, that rocks or whatever, uh, the fact that they dropped that tone and they basically... This was the beginning of superhero movie fatigue. I'm calling that. It was, it was just so blasé. It was this was this is the paint by numbers superhero movie. So because of that, I'm going to give it two. It deserves a zero. Don't want okay, to watch it again. Is that a two out of five or two out of ten? Two out of ten because you guys are going in tens. Um, I want just to add one last thing the last movie I saw in theaters was Birds of Prey that was the last movie before COVID struck and now the first movie in theaters is The Suicide Squad so Margot Robbie uh, gave me the sign off and is welcoming me back to the theaters I'm very excited alright I guess I will finish up here for me uh, Suicide Squad 2016 as unsure as I was when I originally watched it when it first came out and having this many years to sort of fester and, and dwell on my thoughts and rewatching it today, I initially gave it a 2 out of 5, 4 out of 10 for me. My, my least favorite thing about it, I would say, is actually the relationship or the interaction between Will Smith's Deadshot and Rick Flagg. I've just found their the tension that they were going for trying to build that antagonize each other it was just so felt so manufactured and just didn't feel organic or real or i didn't care for it there are a couple other things that are pretty annoying but i think that was probably the most annoying thing for me my favorite thing about the movie is the cast um, i think they picked some of the best people for the roles that they they got like amanda waller played by viola davis margot robbie for Harley Quinn, obviously. Will Smith, Deadshot. Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang. Karen Fukuhara for Katana, even though she's not in it that much. I think they're all great. Um, even, I forget the actor's name that plays Slipknot, but even just getting to see him <laughs> was, was, was so awesome. It was just like, yeah, this is perfect. And that's like sort of the thing, right? <laughs> like, we forget about Slipknot. Like, Slipknot's in this movie, guy. You know, he didn't um, even get an opening sequence, did he? Like a bad story? No, I just realized. no but that's like, how you knew he was going to die. Like, that's how you knew. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, those are some of the, the good parts about it. I think we, because of that movie, we get Harley Quinn's, or sorry, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, and we get all these other, like, you know, spinoffs. And um, I, I think the thing I'm looking forward to the most, as we just established, is uh, John Cena cracking his famous You Can't See Me line. And Flula Borg, who I kind of follow on YouTube, he's freaking hilarious. Um, he's playing a character in this movie. I forget who he's playing. 
I, 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 he's probably going to be one of the people that die first, but I just I can't wait to see what his lines are going to be like in the movie because he's pretty funny. So I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see it, which is something strange for me to say, considering, you know, the DCU has let me down so much in the last few years. But at least now we've got something to look forward to. And I think the pandemic kind of helps that because there's been nothing else with that. That ends it for me. How about you guys? We didn't give Will Smith any props, really. And he was charismatic and good and brought Will Smith to the table. So good job, Will Smith. Thank you for bringing Will Smith. Fun fact about Will Smith in this movie, if you guys didn't know, at the time that this movie came out, this this movie, only up until I think last year when Bad Boys uh, 3 came out, Suicide Squad was his highest grossing role ever. <laughs> Until Bad Boys Three, which was the amazing movie, right, guys? Right, guys? Amazing movie. I haven't seen it yet. (laughs) I haven't seen it yet either. Spoiler alert: This is Chan being Chan. Not a good Mm. movie. It's another reason why this movie gets a seven out of (laughs) ten. So, out of the three of us, the person I think was the most critical about it back in 2016 is giving it the highest score in 2021. Oh yeah, exactly. Like uh, I mean, this movie went from doo doo butter to a seven out of ten. Like that's a huge climb. That's amazing. Watch, yeah, you need to watch better movies. <laughs> uh, just, just for the killers on this, don't Google doo doo butter. <laughs> oh god, I'm gonna put an explicit rating on this episode. <laughs> uh, I, 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 and to your thing about WB, you know, like it's okay. TLC's WB now. Like, we're in a new <laughs> era. This is Batman in 90 Day Fiance. You know, he's like bringing Talia Abdul over on a work visa. Like, Aquaman on Shark Week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A- Aquaman on Shark Week. Like, this is <laughs> this is a good thing. Like, we're going to have a great success. Aquaman on Shark Week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that wraps it up for me, guys. If you don't have anything else left to add, we shall reconvene after we see uh, The Suicide Squad, which comes out August 6th. So that's three days from today, probably two days from the date that this episode is uploaded, um, where we'll talk about how much we enjoyed that movie so much more than this one. Thank you very much, Anil. This has been Thank a pleasure. You for jumping on. Now, if you made it to the end of this episode, you are incredible. The next episode will be discussing the James Gunn Suicide Squad movie, which is set to release in Canada on August 6, 2021. Thank you for listening. Take it easy.